Hey, welcome to Dad to the Bone, where two dads sit around, talk about dad stuff, and wonder of all the J's that were released, all the Jordan shoes, what number is the best? Uh, five. You think the fives? Absolutely. I mean, you notice I didn't like for like a brief momentary second, I was like, I know it's not the twos. <laughs> fives. So you like that, man. I am I am sold on the 11s. You are? The 11s, man, with the patent leather, tuxedo oh, yeah. look, the concords, the breads. Yeah. I, I'm I'm sold. I'm you know sold. what I saw the other day that like I wanted were the nines. I was like, hmm. Those look really? nice. Yeah, yeah, they were like a nice. Those are, those are not the Barcelona ones, are they? Uh, they got the little like uh, squeeze thing on the uh, laces. I don't even know what that thing is called. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, because honestly, like in the Barcelona days, I wasn't paying attention that well. So the the nines are the ones that look kind of like boots. Like okay, you, you you can picture it. Yeah, no, I know exactly. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. So the I like the 11s and I like the 13s. The 13s are the ones with the little hologram yes. up on the top corner and underneath yes. it, you know? Yeah, those aren't the Space Jams, right? No, not Space Jams. No, no dude, those are the 12. I like those too. Okay. All right. Those are hot. I mean, I feel like, but I mean, I feel like that was kind of my childhood. The 11, 12s, 13s, yeah. those were like the years that I was like, I could be Michael Jordan. <laughs> so, so think about this. In the year 3000, they're going to be wearing like the 101s. Oh, but yeah, I know. They, I, I had some some sad news for you. I'm sorry to tell you. I, okay, what is it? So, for folks who have been like listening to Dad to the Bone podcast and and now watching it on YouTube, um, we have folks like we have like a bucket list of guests that we want to have on. Like some guys that like, you know, like they're like top shelf, but they belong on this show. Some real Dad to the Bone guys, and one is my main man. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, because you know we're both girl dads, right? Both yeah, got Uncle, Uncle DJ. Yeah, got this sleek design up top. Yeah, and, you know you're both, both just muscles on muscles on muscles. Yeah, just both muscle bound men. And, yeah. and the other, which was Sam's favorite, was uh this this guy uh by the name of Matthew Stafford. And mm -hmm. so uh, mm -hmm. Sam always had a dream. Uh, no, not even a dream. He had a commitment. Yeah. Get Matthew Stafford. I said it was going to happen. I was like, ah, that could happen. He's a nobody. Whatever. We can make it happen. Yeah. To which I was saying, like, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, so, but he's no longer with us. No. He's, uh, I would beg to venture or guess that he's probably never going to be on this podcast at this point. <laughs> no. No, I would, I would say probably not. Um, but you know what? It's his loss. It is. It is his boss, and you know what? I'm I'm cool with that. You know what though? Um, he he needed to go, get out, and I'll leave it at that. So we'll we'll move on from that. But I did want to tell you about one more thing before what? we get to it, man, because I love this. I got my wife got me this cool thing, and so I don't get up in the morning well like I used to. Like I'm a guy who used to like pop up before the alarm clock went off. I don't do that anymore. Is, like, it, is it because of all your your muscles, like the rock? Like it's, yeah, it's I would just uh, to elevate the muscle out of the bed. Right. Know? Well, I would just hop up. So here's the deal. Uh, I don't do that anymore because I have kids and they like sleep and kick me in, in my face in the middle <laughs> of the night. So uh, she got me this like it's it's like it's called a wake up light alarm clock. And so here, dig it. Here's what it does: thirty minutes or twenty minutes before you get up, it has this like ambient light, and the light gets brighter. 
for like 20 minutes. So it starts out real dim and then it gets real bright, like when it's time to get up. And by the time it gets bright, like you just kind of like, I don't know what it does to your brain, but you like naturally wake up. And like it's yeah. been a game changer. I swear to you. Do like, you wake up cockadoodle doing or no? Nah, man, we'll do all that. But <laughs> you do wake up like you like you don't wake up with that like uh what's what's going on? You wake yeah. up like you know like you just here I am. You just with it. Like yeah. I won't I won't say you're extra. Like you're not singing songs, but you know it's not that like groggy. Like uh I don't want to get. Up. Where do you score something like like that? Is that like a Bed Bath and Beyond special or what? Amazon all day. They, What's it so called? It's called like a wake up light alarm clock, and it's like a it's like a, a a dome shape or like a circle shape, and it's got a light in it. And the light is like a dimmer light, and it just I'm telling you, it just it works. But hey, man, it's it's a thing. I don't I don't want to spend too much time on that because we have someone I am super excited a dad. I am super excited to introduce someone who. Um, I've known as a coach, someone who I've known as a, a mentor in the community, and I'm excited to uh, to uh, introduce him. I was trying to pull up his pay. Oh, here it goes. Um, someone who has just been a, a good example of a father, a good example of, of what it means to, to uh, mentor men and to help mold young fathers uh, by the name of Calvin T. Mann. He is a father of four. His youngest is 17 and his oldest is 31. And uh, he's someone who I've known personally and seen him uh, mentor in the community. Um, He has, uh, um, and let me just make sure I get my notes right here. So he he is a author of a book called The Adventures of Oba and Luther. In addition to, oh, is that it right there? In addition to having his own podcast and being a talk show host, he is an advocate and an encourager of school age children and youth appearing in elementary, middle, and high schools throughout the year. And he's an advocate and encourager of respect as a solution, an advocate and encourager of empowering families through legacy. So uh, without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce to the Dad to the Pwn podcast. I like to call him coach, but he is Calvin T. Man. Welcome to the podcast, sir. How are you doing? Yo, he's muted. Uh-oh, let me unmute him, too. We got to break him out of that prison. Let's <laughs> unmute him. I said I'm no longer <laughs> backstage, so let's go. You know, you know me? I'm ready to go. Man. <laughs> Well, you're, well, well, wait, so you're, if your oldest son, oldest son is 31, that makes you like 40? Uh, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're a young man at heart, and that's all that matters to you. And so, yeah. yeah. So, can you start off just by telling us a little bit about yourself? Because I can't do you the justice that you can do. So, can you introduce yourself to the yeah. Dad to the Bone crew? Why is he? Why does he reference you as coach? Well, when he was a young man, he played with my nephew. He played football with my nephew. At that time, me and my uncle would feed the offensive linemen during the season, and my nephew was a pretty good running back. And when I ended up losing my nephew in a car accident as a young man, and so I was all was the youngest varsity basketball coach at Ferndale High School at the age of twenty three. Oh, wow. And I had varsity girls basketball. Then I moved, was with the boys and just um, was someone who could make a difference, who wanted to make a difference because his life was different. 
and my life was impacted by the adults in my life. So I decided that I didn't want to be like them. I wanted to be like whatever God chose me to be like. I was going to find out. So I took chances and, you know, and I got out here and I actually started this journey by literally a friend took me to um, when I was 19 years old. She took me to um, Special Olympics and I went to a Special Olympics event to work and I literally balled all day. And then after being kicked out of college for not being such a good student, um, I decided to set out to see what was the difference. And so um, one day I ended up, my godfather gave me a whistle and I walked in the gym and in the gym was my brother and my cousin. And they were the first two out the gate to go to college develop and process. Then I started going to coaches clinics and I'm hanging out at coaches clinics with all the great coaches and absorbing sometimes the only young cat in the building, but very, very aggressive and learning and asking, you know, just doing what I needed to do to find out what was this that was driving me. And then next thing you know, I, I looked up, I was in the newspaper at 20 with those same kids girls and boys in the Great Lake State Championship, won gold medal, ended up in the paper, got called to coach middle school. So I'm over at coach middle school, seventh, eighth grade. And meanwhile, I was really looking for myself. That's awesome. And so I would just like to acknowledge that you are a superb coach. You weren't just a good coach. I mean, when you were coaching, that was when uh, we had um, – Michigan legend Rashad Phillips playing, I think, around that time. So, if correct me if I'm right. Well, we had, well, I had a number of them. So, you got Dwayne Stevens, Cornell Mann, uh, Larry Wells. You got, uh, man. Our first year, we sent the young man, I, I can't think of his name off my head right now. We sent him to Pepperdine. Then we were hosting uh, practices. And because of all the connections that I was able to develop through those coaches clinics, we would have college coaches in the gym and I'd be conducting all the practices, the whole nine for the boys. So development, we did a number of things, bought these big old machines, make sure the guys could shoot better. And we just transcended and planned the toughest schedule in the state. Then we moved that. We had the number one um, concession stand in the state and we kept going. And after a while, um, they didn't know uh, what they were doing, right? But when my Uncle Don stepped down, I was associate head coach. It was my turn. I put Encourage Me, I'm Young on the table. And, wow. they, and they didn't want nothing to do with me having, but I, they didn't realize I had built that program, right? They didn't realize all those kids were developed, kids who wasn't, you know, they come in the doors forwards, walk out on the way to college as a two-guard or a point guard, right? They didn't know it was a lot of development around that. It was a lot of back conversation between myself and my uncle constantly about what college career the kid could have. How can we develop them? Mm -hmm. So a lot of parents didn't know because me and my uncle played good guy, bad guy. They didn't know I was putting that work in like that. Well, now you know. <laughs> well, you've been doing it for a while. So what is Encourage Me, I'm Young? And, and where does that come from? 
Well, in 1992, the story is on the website, but in 1992, I, I took a two days to work in an all-white daycare because I couldn't understand why people use the N-word, right? Why were we calling each other, you know, that name? And what's the difference in how parents raised the kids? And I was sitting in the daycare and the door blew open and the words, encourage me, I'm young, came in with them. And so while you were in school, encourage me, I'm young, was on the basketball team. And if you recall, the basketball team always had uniform T-shirts with a nice quote on the back ending with encourage me i'm young and so when again after that process was over with i went into the middle school but here's what they missed i had caitlin lucas manny harris i had several other athletes already ready to go so the program wasn't going to end with you know with the herb Galladay's and the and the, the Browns, I had already had kids lined up that was going to feed the program to a whole nother level, right? Yeah. And, and they blew that. Like, when I put put it on the table, the whole plan was on the table. They laughed and interrupted my second interview. I just collected my stuff and left. Well, and, and so you, you took that movement with you, though, and you kept it growing. I, I took the movement with me, and... I went through some changes because it broke my heart, literally, that I couldn't complete the job that I had set out at the high school. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, in, in some ways, I was very, very devastated, right? And, and I think sometimes, even today, like, it still bothers me because I think about the potential and the, the access that the kids didn't get that we had access to. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I literally would be at the NBA combine. Right. Sitting in the facility. So, um, you know, those were the types of things that we were able to do for our kids. And so to make a long story short, um, it was a phone call. One of my former high school classmates, my best friend, Big Will, Willie Davis, called me and started this whole movement. Right. So he called me and told me. I thought you was going to make encourage me. I'm younger clothesline, you know, and I laughed because I had literally asked God to use me prior to that. And my whole life began to change. And so in that process, um, I called my brother corn who was coaching. I think at this time he was at Western Michigan. And I was like, man, man, you see all these kids dying, you know, and he was like, well, don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. You know what I mean? You can't be part of the problem. Do something about it. You know, you got all that experience. And I, after that, man, it seemed like everything around me just fell apart. I started losing everything. Right. But at the same time, I started gaining affirmations. I was getting yeah. headaches and I was all of a sudden my creativity. Right. And so I, I went into a a print shop in Ferndale and volunteered to work for free for two mm -hmm. days. So two days, my two off days, I was at this print shop working for free and learning how to print. And my first quote was time is all we have to change what we are. And I started with that shirt, land shirts in the city where kids were getting killed. And that's how encouraged me. I'm young started. Wow. And so the other part of that too, is the smash suicide portion. And so how, how do those two work together? 
So the success that I've had for, uh, I'm not going to say this many years, <laughs> <laughs> right? We always had a formula, right? And um, Smash Suicide came on our radar. Uh, we were given April 6th forever. And we started a National Respect Day, right? Impacting schools in the springtime to improve how they treated each other the whole night. And we were researching to prepare for the next Respect Day in 2000, you know, literally the late 2017, right around 2018. This link pops up on a computer and says, kids, 5 to 11, are number one in suicide. And I'm like, no way. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. So it's 2018. We, you know, we apply it to the the our respect day. Uh, suicide was already a part of it, but we didn't realize this age group is in trouble. So, 2018, 2019, I'm speaking at Mary Grove College, and I say it out loud. In the meantime, I'm telling my board, everybody, like, it's bugging me. And if it bugs me, that means I'm gonna do something about it, right? So it was bugging me. And I'm going, okay, so we're constantly pulling up information. Uh, Me and my wife are constantly pulling up information consistently on our topics. And when I tell you, I said, I'm changing the whole website, right? I'm changing everything, right? So we started looking at, so I sent off to get the logo redid. I just want you to touch it up, right? But be creative what you do with it. That's how I sent it off. And when he sent it back, he sent back the logo in the smash suicide colors, in the anti-suicide colors. And I was like, oh, that's a lot. So we flipped the whole website, partnered up with uh, the, the, the hotline, the National Suicide Hotline, put the information on the website, redid our website, and kept going. And then I launched my book the end of November, uh, December 2019 and my book signing was 2020 and so mm-hmm. we had the book signing in 2020 before covid hit and like i was like well what are we gonna do we still gotta raise the awareness we still gotta do what we do and i took over off the book cover put over on the banner and we put that boy on eight mile and all of the digital billboards over southeastern Michigan and there you go. Yeah, and, and speaking of which, yeah, that's a great story. It's an encouraging story. I, I like the things that I like most about it, it was the conversations. I won't give away the, the story, but I like the, the dialogue that was being had in the story, like amongst peers and with parents. And so that's encouraging. Where did you get that concept from to write that? So, so Oba, Oba was a friend of mine in real life, right? Oh, wow. So Oba was the last sibling of his family with MS. So one day we're in the basement making music. His friend, who is the wise mole, they're always like, oh, Cal, you, you know, they call themselves being militant, pro-black, all of that. I said, man, mm-hmm. I'm going to make a book and I'm going to put a white character with the book. You know, I'm telling them as in a joking manner, right? 
I say, because y'all got to come up off that, right? Because, you know, I mm-hmm. hate racism. You already know how I feel about it, right? And then so mm-hmm. in that process, next thing you know, man, I, I have to be careful what I say because next thing you know, I find myself literally writing the story, right? And then I had five stories written and someone broke into my house and took that laptop. Oh, no. With the stories on it. And so I'm, I was devastated, right? Mm-hmm. I go sit in the backyard one day with a bottle of wine, have me a nice little glass of wine, of course, sangria <laughs> or something like that, which is my favorite, right? And all of a sudden, here's God again. Man, I gave you, it's, it's still there. Just go back to the computer and write. And so I went back to the computer, got another computer, Learned some more stuff about computers because I should have had it backed up and I didn't. And literally wrote the story. And I, I seen uh, a young lady in Houston had a book and I asked her who was her uh, illustrator. And she sent me the illustrator, just so happens. And I sent it off. And the story where it really comes from is everything we do is about the restoration of family. Everything. And mm-hmm. what you see in the book is both young men having both parents, right? What you get in that conversation is respect the order. So getting permission to go places and do yeah. things. And then the wise mold is there as that mentor, the guider, the right. person that you know. We all had a wise mold in our lives. Right. Right. But the wife, Mo, has got an incredible story. He's ultimately talented. Right. And he'll change as the book story goes. So we decided. Right. I was decided to put him in a Kofi because people never understood what Kofis are. They always saw it as something negative. If they saw somebody in a Kofi, they saw it as negativity. Why, why do you, what do you mean when you say they saw it as negative? Well, you know, they saw it as religion and, you know, the oh. of, you know what I mean? You know how yeah, society yeah. look at certain things. And so giving them the information and then smack them with the diversity. Mm-hmm. And the truth, the truth of the matter is it over in Luther is really me and my friends. <laughs> that's how my world looks. That's awesome. So that's way I wanted the world to. That's the way the world has to be for me. So, you know, I like one of the things I liked about the book, too, is um, the role of the dad. In, and it was very subtle. It wasn't like you know, overtly whatever, but the role of the dad in the plans that the kids are making and asking permission and like the dad being involved in the kid. And at the end of the book, you know, they're both talking to their dads about their day and everything. And it's like it, you didn't have to overtly say like, yo, dads, be involved with your kids. But you're like, you see that as almost as a normal thing in the right. book and then also like a healthy thing. And if you're reading it, you know, you're going, oh, man, that's cool. Like the kids feel so much validation. The boys feel so much validation from talking to their dads and all of that. I thought that was a really cool like side, side swerve. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it th- that was the intent, right? Because how valuable are dads? Right. Right. And again, what we've done is if you've you've seen books, um, I watched I watched one of those silly books hurt my 17 year old. Right. Where 
my 17 year old was in the he's in the sixth grade he's reading on the 11th grade level mm-hmm. right and then wait he's 17 he's 17 still in the sixth grade no no, no. he was <laughs> in the sixth grade no that. wonder he's reading the 11th grade level <laughs> right but the 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 issue was was that some some reading material doesn't allow us to mature Mm-hmm. We have to be careful what we hand our boys, right, on their way in their education. And one of the things that I, I recognized was when you when you hand someone who's advancing, right, and they handed one of them silly books where it's only pop up and you got two, three words and, you know, the book, he's reading a book. Yeah, you got this thick old book, but it's five words on the page. Well, that doesn't help him if he's in the sixth grade and you hand him that. That doesn't help him. Right. right? And whereas he was reading on the 11th grade, you feed that. Yeah. Right? You make sure you feed that so that is an extension in his life. And so reading is life. And I think a lot of times we get away from how important reading really is. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. Yeah. We talk a lot about talking is teaching and talking to your kids and talking to uh, your babies and how babies need more words. So yeah, yeah. I definitely can agree with that. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting. Uh, I like Sam's point about the nuance of it. Uh, just like the, the interweaving of the mole character, the interweaving of the fathers and stuff like that. I, I liked it because, you know, their motto was how to have dialogue and conversation and to deal with conflict as well. And so that's something, you know, when you talk about your mentorship piece, and, and I, I'll ask this to, to both of you guys. And um, uh, I don't know if that clicked. Does that click? Do you guys hear that click or is that just me? Yeah, I hear it a little bit. It might be your mic, but that's all right. Just keep going. Okay. All right. Uh, it's, um, it's a, sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, that mentorship piece to like um, fathers and to, to kids. Uh, did you intentionally, were you intentionally when you were writing, thinking about that, that mentorship piece? Yeah, right, because of the experience, right? Why not give them tools when they read the book? Give them tools that they can use, right? The, the, other, the other piece to it is when you line it up, this is exactly how important. What fathers bring to the children is maturity better decision-making a healthy father impacts a child on an on a serious serious level right on my podcast tonight i was talking about we had this this dynamic during this month that says on one hand you got some people that's the selected as the most educated but then you have our boys as the most uneducated right when you Mm -hmm. when you when you look at the story you give the girl the book, but you give the boy the game. Who's mm. behind? So when the father is not present, because the father impacts language, reading, all of that. When the father's not present, here comes those issues. So here's a tool that you can pick up. Man, do you know I had somebody tell me, uh, and I would never, I'm not going to say their name, but I had somebody tell me, I wouldn't let my son read this book because the kid has both his parents. That is a 
That's different. <laughs> what was the rationale for that? They didn't want their kid to want to have a relationship with both parents or something. I have no idea. Like, it blew me away. Yeah, that comes from a place of hurt, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. That's hard. That's, that's that's hard. hard. Now, now you, you speak in schools and you do like, I don't know, like school assemblies or whatever, right? That's part of, that's part of, of what, what, what sort of tools do you give kids to sort of, to serve as like a mentor? Like you, in those settings, I, I envision you as the wise mole, right? Right. And so what kinds of things are you teaching these kids or empowering these kids or encouraging these kids to do? Like what are some of the action steps and some of the things you share? So on our website is a PDF. When you click the blue smash suicide, that's our secret right there. The Emmy way right on the website. You click the smash suicide button. You download the PDF is engage, empower and encourage. Apply that to your children. Apply that to your schools. Apply that to your home. You must engage them. As he just talked about and you guys were talking about the number of words, storytelling. All yeah. of those things are very, very impactful to a child's imagination. Then after you engage them, you empower them. You make sure that they know. And then once you do that, when they give you one inch, you encourage that inch. When they give you five, you encourage five inches. Every time they give you something that leans and leads to their success, you encourage it. And the last thing, the fourth piece is, I'm suggesting that you get all your kids an Emmy t-shirt and watch how that impacts your home too. Then you can send me all the beautiful pictures of your kids in the Emmy. Right? <laughs> I, see, I see what you did there. I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I, right. I could... You do know we, you know, it's not something we put on the website, but we put product in eight countries and, uh, you know, in over 40 some cities. Right. And the feedback that we get is phenomenal. Now adults buy the hoodies. I just got a message the other day and, and she's up in Saginaw and she said, uh, I'm sending you this picture and it's funny. I can't take this hoodie off. I find myself always in this hoodie. Yeah. Right? I said, yeah. that's because we all want that encouragement. And because of how simple our message is, it impacts people who see you in it. So now people will see it on you and they'll touch you or they'll see it on your kids and they'll be like, encourage me, I'm young. And the kids will know right away. And it's such a powerful tool Right. And that's how we've been able to stay. Now, what what have you done? Do you have any tips for so some of our listeners, some of our, our dads listening in or whatever um, might hear this and like engage. OK, cool. Equip and empower. I, I love that. Do you have any because, um, you know, you've, you've been around the block. You're kind of like the Yoda of this stuff. Right. And um, the, guru, the guru, you're the guru. Um, do you have any like tips or advice for parents or dads or whatever who have kids that are potentially resistant? that are kind of like giving you some pushback and just kind of not really vibing with it. You know what I mean? Like, do you have any life hacks for that sort of situation? So a lot of kids, all right, teens, especially, right. And, um, deal in that area. Right. And so the object is being consistent, right? How consistent are you in their, conversation in their life in their existence right if you're every now and then 
you got to be strong and making them laugh. Dads in play is a huge piece to children. Dads in play, it's how you literally bring the kids even more so to you. They found in a study, uh, Yacht Pajor, Dr. Yacht Pajor, put a male, they put male rats and mic'd up a, 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 a cage with a male rat and his children. And what they discovered was they could hear the rats laughing. And what they discovered more and more, play and fathers is how men discipline their children. We play with them for so long. And then, okay, don't forget you got to go to bed now. You remember what time it is, right? And we play is huge to our children and dads. And it's something special with us. So that's the first thing I would say. Play with your children. Laugh. Joke with them. I'm cracking jokes at all times, right? I'm laughing and, you know, joint, right? Because when it's time to have a serious conversation, you've already knocked down a bunch of walls. If you're all serious, it's going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be very, very tough, right? The second tip that I would give is just be consistent. Be consistent in how you care right? Even in your discipline, be consistent. Because kids learn to manipulate their parents as early as three. You have to be consistent. Because if you're not consistent, as you well know, uh, you walk in the house, there's a big difference when when they are in the house. You hear it all the time. As soon as you walk in the house and you say, hey, come over here, everything shuts down. That's the gift God gave fathers that imagine is not even in the homes for a lot of kids. That's tough. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. My three year old is already trying to work over on me. <laughs> she's, oh yeah. she's always trying to work me and my wife trying to work it over. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They come with it. They 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 got a game plan, right? And um, the third thing, the third thing that I think is ultimately more important than anything, take walks. Take walks with your children. Sometimes silence is the best tools, some silence and some air, and sometimes it's just talking, but take walks, right? And if they're they're young like that, take full advantage of reading to them. Yeah, I, you know, when you said take walks, that really resonated with me because it's that relationship. And uh, let me know if uh, you guys can hear me. Uh, but yeah, yeah when, when you have that relationship and you have that intentional time where you're close with your children and you talk to them, and you know, you just have those conversations, it's priceless. I mean, it's one of the best times I remember with my dad are going on a car ride. I remember uh, just going with him to the store. And so I mimic that with my kids. So we just walked to the park and those are some of our best conversations. Like my kids sometimes they're like, what are we doing? But when we're walking and we're just talking, it's priceless because they just open up like a book and they're so receptive and it's like the world just kind of falls to the side as, as we have a conversation. And, you know, a lot of times I think we as parents and as men sometimes get caught up in like, you know, well, I need to give you this or I need to give you that. But the truth is, you know, you you are giving them what they need, which is is you. And that's that's primarily what the issue is, is like having you. It's not about having, you know, we, we joked about the J's, about the fives and six, but you know, I, I think a kid would rather have you 365. Well, yeah, the 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 in the in-house father is the most important piece, right? 
being being in the house is the most important piece. There's no question about that. Um, you have to fight for time when you're not in the house, right? And so you have that's a completely different skill set you're going to need. But you're in the house, you're winning. Like there's no question about it. It's just what you are doing in the house, and I'm telling you, play is the single. The single best weapon for your children is play because once they finish playing with you, you pretty much can get them to do whatever it is that you want. It's time yeah. for you to go to bed and that you have no problems. Yeah. Well, that, that play, it goes a long way with your kids. And so it, it leads me kind of to my last question. I was interested in, in the things you do, because I know they all go together with the good fathers only. Yes. Can you tell us how that plays in the, in the what you're doing? So we know dads bring a secret sauce, right? Dads are Superman, Batman, right? Aquaman, whoever you want dad to be. Dad is that superhero, right? Uh, dads are ultimately, dads are just as important at the time of the birth, during the birth, as anything possible, right? You know, um, when you have miscarriages and things like that. Fathers erase all of that, right? So that's how important dads are, even during the pregnancy, being present and being healthy and making it comfortable for mom. That brings on healthy children, right? Detroit has one of the highest levels uh, of that, right? And what happens is, is that, again, when you look at the absence of the father, this is what occurs, right? So with fatherhood, we know fathers are important. Um, my initial plan for Good Fathers Only was really, Good Fathers Only was just a program. But what happened was a friend approached me and they literally gave us their nonprofit. So now Good Fathers Only has his own nonprofit, right? And we're working out those things. But we had 11 years uh, straight in the Labor Day Parade celebrating fatherhood. We did a fatherhood conference. We did all, all of June fatherhood solutions last year during COVID. So we did we was you were a guest on this on at the time talking about the finance but all of june was all about that right uh we have uh workshops we have uh, a number of uh plans for programs we're building a four men about men program right but we are interviewing a, a executive director right because of course you can't handle all those hats you only got one head, so you need somebody to help. But more importantly, we're able to pull men from our Good Fathers Only group and have them mentor. Now, how important is that? That is our secret sauce to our mentoring program. We use dads. And it's very, very important because most of the kids don't have them or have that in-the-house dad where his voice resonates. And you should see the success of our mentees just from having dads as mentors. That's awesome. And, you know, speaking of dads, my, my question I have for you is uh, when it comes to um, fathers and, you know, fatherhood, a lot of times I think we kind of look back on what we learned and wish we would have knew. And so my question to you primarily is, you know, if you could tell yourself something, like knowing what you know now, what is something you wish you had a new at a, a father at a younger age? About fatherhood, man. So <laughs> he looks up and goes, "Man, <laughs> right." 
I would I would most definitely say and have said, right, this is a this is a battle that exists for the duration. This is not something that you win day one. You're always gonna be a dead, right? So that would be the, the thing that I would have to explain. You're always gonna be a dead. You also have the power, as young as you are, as young as you were, you have the power. When, when my youngest son uh, was born, I spoke life before he even fell out the womb. I said who he was gonna be, what he was gonna be, and how he was gonna be, and here are the things he was gonna do. And I prayed and I stayed. And he was every one of those words. He's everything that I said he would be. So learn that you have power becoming a dead. You ultimately, you ultimately have to cultivate that power and value and understanding that you're going from man to father. That is not a drop. That is a come up. So That's true. It's, 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 it's not. You know, we, we look at it because the society have painted this picture and you're afraid. And I'll never forget because I was becoming a father at 23, I was afraid, right? But I was only afraid because of the messages that people gave and what I saw coming up. And once I learned the information, so now that is who I am today. So it would be for them to learn just learns, Cal, be patient and learn how to be a good father, right? Learn about the things you really want to be. It's, it's in the books. It's, it's, it's men are putting them in books, what to do, what not to do, what God say about fatherhood. Go learn those things and share those things in your household. One of the, and this is the last thing, the thing that I am most proud about that I cry about, mm -hmm. I get emotional about right, is I no longer can stand in the hallways and hold my children's hand and pray with them before they go to bed. That is tough. Mm -hmm. So do what you got to do to hang in there. Yeah, hang in there with those kids, hang in there with those, those partners. So, yeah. well, uh, Calvin, I, I want to thank you for uh, being a guest on our show today. I think we definitely learned a lot from you and learned a lot from uh, your experience. And so if the folks had a place to reach you, where would that be? What are your handles? Uh, we're at uh, we're on Twitter at Emmy World dot, you know, at Emmy World. We're on Instagram at Emmy, Emmy World underscore. Um, we're on TikTok at Emmy World. And go to our website at emmyworld.com and grab your Emmy t-shirt. It comes right to you. We got a great system in place. And I would love to see your children in the Emmy World, you know, Emmy t-shirt. We even got some dads on there. You can get the book at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Goodreads. And so um, support us, right? Because everything we do ultimately is about the restoration of families through the lives of boys. We know with our smash suicide campaign, boys, both black and white, are a percentage point behind. Five and 11 are committing suicide at a very high rate. 
as number one. Yeah. Well, thank you for that awareness. Chandler, do you have anything to add before we? No, man, that's great, Calvin. Thank you so much for for joining us today, man, and just sharing your heart and sharing your passion, and it's contagious. And I'm excited for our listeners and our viewers on YouTube and everything to just kind of hopefully connect with you, uh, buy into the whole, um, you know, Emmy mission and vision and all of that, man. I just appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us tonight. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. All right. Well, thank you, Calvin. Thanks for being a guest. And uh, we definitely will have you back again to see what you have going on. All righty. Appreciate you. Take care. Wow. That's a lot, man. That's a lot of good information. He's a he's a busy guy, man. He's got a lot going on. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I like what he said, though, about, you know, all the hats, but you only got one head. That's a that's quotable right there. You can tell my man makes up quotes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's kicking knowledge and he's providing it to to people who need it, and that's that's very important in this time that when there's honestly there's just a lot of lost people right now, uh, just because we're we are now more than ever able to insulate ourselves from other people. And what I like more about what he was talking about was how he was exposing himself to other elements, like when he talked about going and working in like a, a white, I think he said a white daycare. Yeah, I think that's what he said, just to kind of see what. The different dynamics are, which is awesome. You know, yeah. putting yourself into a situation that's that's you know not your norm is yeah. always can always be a growth experience. Yeah, I mean, you you always want that opportunity to see life outside your world and understand what it looks like for other people. So, I mean, I, I think that's something that I'm always reminded of. You know, and and what I do, I talk about diversity, and you know, in my day gig and in, in my nine to five, as they say. I talk about the importance of diversity, but from a um, just from a financial perspective, I was important. Well, you call it diversifying. <laughs> you got it, diversifying. You know, we say diversity too. I, I honestly probably uh, maybe subconsciously and say diversity. Uh, you know, trying to. It's like a subtle, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, yeah, you you got it. We normally do talk about uh, diversifying, but I say diversity is important, particularly when it comes to you know managing. Oh, good. So it's like. You know, hey, yay. And hit. So, yeah, no, uh, his, um, you know, I, I wonder if I could pull it back up, but, you know, Calvin is does, he, you know, that coaching piece, I think, is so important to what he does. And that piece about, you know, just being able to to share that with people and, and you know, and reach people. Like, I know you coach too, so you get it, but oh, having yeah. that ability to like, to be able to connect with people and to like, take that, you know, opportunity to, to, you know, share with them. Cause you know, Dude, coaching is huge. So I'm, I'm coaching, I'm coaching middle school boys basketball right now. Uh, like we're in the season right now. And it's, it's awesome because you have a captive audience of like 10 to 12 young men, you know, I'm mm -hmm. coaching sixth and seventh grade right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got these, these, these eight or 10 young men that, um, that I just have their full attention every day after school from like mm -hmm. 315 to 4:30. And mm -hmm. so, and it's an opportunity for me to speak life into them and to encourage them. I mean, yeah, basketball is awesome. It's a passion. I love it, mm -hmm. but I'm not there for basketball so much. You know right. what I mean? I'm there to pour into these guys, to shape these guys, mm -hmm. uh, hopefully to make them fall in love with the game, but really at the same time, create like a bond and a unity and a brotherhood between these guys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it's really cool because, you know, it gives them another positive male figure. If they have a dad at home, it gives them an additional positive male figure. If mm -hmm. they don't have a dad at home, it gives them 
a sort of positive male figure, male influence in their life. Um, and I just think that's so important. You know, I think that's so important to encouraging young kids and young boys uh, yeah. a lot about, you know, a lot like what Kevin was saying, but coaching, coaching is a very powerful thing. It really is. You know what it makes me remember too, you know, my, my father was in my life, but he wasn't in my home. And so, you know, I think about, you know, coaching from that perspective. I loved all the people that coached me. Like they provided the male influence in my life, all my football, you know, he talked about football and the football coaches and like getting that. Honestly, I don't, I don't know if there's any value to this, but I needed a little tough love. So like when the coach was like in my face and he was like, what are you doing? Like, you know, it was, it, you know, having, um, having those male figures to help you face yourself and challenge yourself and push yourself. Oh, yeah. We're always good, but also having that encouraging hand, like to be excited. So, and there's a lot of boys and girls who, you know, who grow up in single parent homes and the coaching is the co closest they come to having fathers. So yeah, coaching is huge, man. It really, I, I remember a lot of my uh, coaches. I remember a lot of, like some of my middle school teachers um, that were males that were just a positive male influence in my life. I mean, they were, they're great female teachers as well, but as a young boy, yeah. Seeing these adult males as positive role models and positive influences on me uh, as guys outside of the home. I mean, in the church, too, I had different pastors or youth pastors or just men that took time to intentionally invest in young men and in boys. You know what I mean? I mean, it was it was just I know it was impactful to me. And therefore, that's why I think part of the reason that I'm so passionate about doing that as well and giving back as well and investing in the next generation as well. Cause I just think it's so important. And let's talk about the other side of coaching for men uh, who, who want to real quick. And I know we got to wrap it up. Um, I think it's a good way and opportunity to connect with, with your kids and other kids who might need it. So, you know, I don't ever want to coach. I probably don't ever want to coach sixth grade, but oh, you know, sixth grade is cool because like, they no, 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 no. Time out. What? It's cool for you, buddy. Like no, I, listen, listen, they know enough to be able to play the sport. Yeah. But they're not old enough to think that like they have all the answers and that they're too cool for school and all that. Yeah, and yeah. so sixth and seventh grade, man, that's like that's the sweet spot where they're still super moldable. I, yeah. I'm I'm intimidated by the high schoolers. Like coaching high oh, schoolers who think they're like the humanity, like oh, I'm not they're like, I'm LeBron. They don't even think they're Jordan. I think LeBron. But here's my point. Well, and I, this is a selfish perspective because you know, I have all girls. And so, like, if I was coaching football, I would feel totally fine coaching, like, at any level all the way up to high school. In fact, yeah. I was I was asked to coach at a high school team, and I couldn't because, like, they were, like, it was, like, almost going to, like, a pro job. They had binders this thick, and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> and that was just to be, like, an assistant lineman coach. I was like, yeah, I'm just a lineman coach? They're like, yeah. I don't see you. you do you see me? Am I the only one on screen right now? Oh, you know what? You you are because you're amazing. There you go, buddy. Thank well, I, I felt like you were like off camera over here somewhere talking, and I'm like, am I am I the only one on camera right now? Like, what's now, you know? When you were talking, I spotlighted you, and then you know, because you, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shy away from this. You know, this is the money maker right here. <laughs> no, I mean it's just. But now that I think about it, you know, for me, I'll have all girls. And so, like, I I feel confident now I could coach them in, like, soccer now at, like, a young age. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can do that. But, like, yeah, when you get up to, like, sixth grade, like, I'm, I want to step aside. And sixth grade is where it gets serious. That's where you start playing other schools and all that sort of thing. It gets it gets a little more serious 
Um, but you know what I found is exactly what you're saying. Coaching in sixth grade, I don't have parents who want to be know-it-alls as much. You know what I mean? When yes. you're coaching little kids, everybody in the stands thinks they can do it better than you. And so you got 500, you know, 500 people trying to tell you every move to make, and you're just like, yo, I'm the one that volunteered my time. If you guys want to do this, volunteer your time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's why I'd be quiet. I'm quiet too. Cause I know that. Cause like I've been there and I've like, people have taught me, caught me like talking to my kids specifically. And they're like, Hey, you want to coach? I'm like, Nope, do not. I want to talk to my daughter though. I will talk to them. Yeah. Well, Sam, I, I guess we got to shift gears here and move on to the resource here. Yeah. So our resource today is super cool. I'm really excited about it. I mean, obviously we've already thrown up the Oba, Oba and Luther book, the Avengers of Oba and Luther. Check that out at emmy.com. Um, or Emmy, emmyworld.com. Make sure you get connected to that. But also one of our resources, you know, we're coming out of Black History Month and we shared some awesome resources for that. And there are so many great resources out there. But this book in particular was is just so, so powerful. It's, it's the ABCs of Black History. And it's by Rio Cortez, illustrated by Lauren Semmer. And this book is just so good. It goes through each letter of the alphabet per page and gives different black history facts and different um, sort of perspectives. One of my favorite ones is the U. And so it's got great illustrations as well, which is oh, like, the, I'm going to show you the illustration, but then I'm going to read it to you because I want you to kind of get a feel for like the flair and the weight of this book. This is not just like a happy-go-lucky feel-good book. I mean, this is like in your face, bare bones kind of deal. It says, you is for United States. This story is tough. The birth of a nation was deadly for us. We the people in the land of the free, no one who was enslaved would agree. You is for unbroken, unshaken, unbound, like Harriet Tubman who went underground, took back her freedom and freed hundreds more, then was a spy in the great civil war. But when the states were united again, the fight for our freedom and lives didn't end. So you is for unfinished, this American tale with courage and strength, we will prevail. And I just think that's so powerful, man. I read this with my kids and it is just such a great conversation starter. Yeah. It, it covers so much more, you know, and we've talked about this be before, you know, you come out of Black History Month in public schools and you know, like five yeah, black people. Five as I call them. Yeah. The, the, five, the five black people that, that did great things. And it's like, no, that's. That's such a ridiculous perspective. And so this has someone different on each page and they're all powerhouses in our history. And so um, there's also in the back of the book, I, I just love this book so much. I got to talk about it just for a minute. Well, can you hold up that, that page again on you? What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hang on. T, U. Um, you know, this is the this is the page on you, which is like the illustration. Yeah. That even that flag, I mean, talking about the colors of the flag with the yeah. green, the red, and the black, and the and so the the U is for unity. Uh, one of the colors on there stands for unity. I know the, the the red is for the bloodshed. Yeah, and the gold, the gold light, and everything. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's powerful, man. And then in the back, it has like a breakdown. Oh, green is for growth. That's what it is. The green is for growth. And look, look in the back, it has like a breakdown of all the different characters, all the different people um, from history. And it tells about them, their life, a few facts about them. And so right. it's super informative. It's got that like rhythm, almost like a Dr. Seuss flow. You know, it's very poetic. Each, all the pages kind of rhyme and it's an easy read, but, but like a completely not easy read at the same time. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? 
Well, it's got layers to it, and it's it's subtly nuanced, and it's got that. So it speaks to the complexity of Black history. Like that that was my point in pointing out the flag in the background. Is there so much, so many nuances in this book? It's hard to get through it without tearing up. It really is. And so uh, I picked this up at Target. So they had it at Target for Black History Month. Um, I believe it's on Amazon. Q, you bought it off Amazon, didn't you? Yep, available on Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's it's available everywhere. But I mean, the ABCs of Black History by Rio Cortez. I I think it's an absolute must. And you can get it from source booksellers too. It's okay. a black-owned bookstore. Okay, you can beautiful. order it online at their site. Um, that's a lot of what we where we get our books from. Is we try to support yeah. black-owned businesses. They're they're located in uh, Detroit. So okay. awesome! Yeah, they've been yeah. they've been so, busy lately. So, so, it, so it's a, it's available. Make sure you guys scoop it up. I mean, you know, I know I know this episode is dropping March first, and Black History Month was in February, but that doesn't matter. This this is this is so important and so vital, and I think everybody should should get into it. Yeah, man. It's, it's very important. And so not to belabor this any long, man. So it's, uh, although we've come to the end of the road. Sing it. Still, I can't let go. It's unnatural. Sing it. Uh, I guess we should tell people where to find us. Absolutely, man. That's Absolutely. So you can find us what? On Instagram at dad, the number two, the bone, right? Podcast. 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 Dad, the number two, the bone podcast. Dad, the number two, the bone podcast. You can find us on YouTube. What? Dad, the number two, the bone podcast. Come on. Dad, the number two, the bone podcast. Spaces on YouTube. Dad space number two space the bone the space. <laughs> There's spaces on YouTube. You gotta just use hit space bar. Dad to the bone. If you put it in the search bar, dad space. You know, like right there. Dad to the bone. Like not a one word. So do that. So we're on on, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, all the same handle. Make sure you hit us up. Dad, the number two, The Bone Podcast. And uh, connect with us, man. Hit us up on socials. Share some uh, pictures, some videos. We'll share them from our page. If you got some dad moments you want to share, that would be awesome. Connect with us. Like the video. Share the video. Uh, We'd love to connect with you. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, until next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Deuces. Are we old for saying that? I think we are. We are. We're old for even knowing that, to be honest with you. We're talking about Jays. The kids now are wearing like LeBrons. Yeah, I know. They're like, Jay, who's Jay? They're like, uh, Jay's fried chicken? I've been there. Uncle Jay's. Gus, no, don't stop it. Gus is Yo, you have Wing wing Snob yet? (sighs) Yes. Divine. 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 Okay. All right, guys, we're out. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.